0: The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. We walk by faith and not by sight. Faith Hill, that's who we are. Amen, amen, amen. Praise the Lord. Man, grab your Bibles. Mark 4. And again, let me just say this for the record, because sometimes they chop all the other stuff out and they just start the sermon here. So let me just say it's the record that I love Faithful Church. And I'm so glad to be here with my good friends, pastors Tafara and Chipo. praise the Lord. Some of the best people in the world right here. So praise the Lord. Should I, should I tell that story? Maybe I will. Yeah, I'll tell that story. I'm going to embarrass them. So we, we have a pastor's Uh, Why are you getting your Bibles out? Turn to Mark 4. And I know it takes a long time to do that, so I'll tell you this story. But we was at a pastor's. You know, we have a a network of churches called Global Church Family. And uh, we're so excited that Faithfield Church is part of that. And um, our first meeting we had many years ago, Tafara and Cheap over there, and um, there was a small gathering, and I think there was about 12 or 14 churches represented, so maybe 30 people in the room, 40 people in the room. And um, they were there. And as we're praying, and we're praying in the Holy Ghost, it was a real special moment. We had one of our good friends. In fact, he's been here to minister, Prophet Joseph Z. He was there. And um, anyway, we're all praying and stuff. As we're praying, I had this word, and I had this compulsion, like, we've got royalty in the room. And it was like, and I, and I looked over, and, and the Lord said to me, he said, pastors to far and cheaper, they're royalty. And I was like, and I'm telling you, I've never had this before, never had this since. Like, I wanted to go and bow down to them. I mean, and they're younger than me. So this doesn't work, <laughs> so... But I was like, that's weird. I'm not going to do that. What's that? Way. way younger. Oh, they're way younger. So anyway, not that much younger. They look way younger. But anyway, I'm like, so we joke about that. But anyway, so I was like, that's weird. That can't be God. That's weird. And then about two minutes later, Joseph Z went, guys, I know this is weird, but I've just got to bow down in front of you. And I was like, man, it's God. And the, and the Lord spoke through me and through Joseph You know, pastors to Farah and Cheaper have actually been set up here and they're actually apostles to the continent of Africa, they're apostles to the world and what you're seeing here is something very special and, um, you know, I'm I'm not saying that, um, you know, you're to idolize them or anything, but I'm just saying God's doing something very special here through Faithful Church. If you think Faithful Church is just about, you know, a a church in in Johannesburg, you're mistaken. This is a much bigger work and you mark my words, five, ten years' time, we're going to look back and say, wow, that crazy English man was right. That prophet Joseph Z was right, praise God. So hold on, you're going to see some great things. So if you're here, then, um, you know, make the most of it. Make the most of the time here at Faithful Church. Make the most of being able to have this much connection with your pastors and the elders and things. Because um, Faithful Church is going to affect the whole continent of Africa. i my words, it's going to be awesome. So people are being sent here. You know, I think Billy Eppart's going to be here again soon. And I'm telling you, the people that are coming here, there's a reason for that. Because there's a sound. There's, a, there's something happening here, there's a move of God here. And sometimes when you're right in the middle of a move of God, you don't realize you're in the middle of a move of God. Sometimes you can't, see the trees for the, you can't see the wood for the trees, right? And you're so close to it here, sometimes you don't realize what special thing's going on. But thank God for this church. Thank God for your pastors. And thank God what's happening at the moment through Faithfield Church. And, and um, you know, it's, it's a, great, a great time to be here, is what I'm saying. So we're going to be here more, um, you know, praise the Lord, because we love it here. So, everyone found Mark 4. Awesome. Praise the Lord. Okay. Mark 4. Carly says sometimes I get distracted and go on rabbit trails. And um, she's probably right sometimes. So we'll have some fun this morning. Mark 4. Uh, uh, let's just jump in here at chapter 3, uh, verse 3. Chapter 4, verse 3. This is Jesus speaking. He says, listen. Anytime Jesus says, listen, then, you know, we need to listen because it's obviously very important. So he says, listen. Behold, a, a sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell on the wayside, the birds of the air came and devoured it, some seed fell on the stony ground where it had not much earth, and immediately it sprang up, because it, it, but it had no depth of earth, and then when the sun was, uh, was on it and it scorched it, it um, because it had no root, it withered away. Verse 7, some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it and yielded no crop. Verse 8, but other seed fell on good ground, and yielded a crop that sprung up, increased, and produced some 30-fold, some 60-fold, and some 100-fold. And he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let them hear. I believe today we have ears to hear the Spirit of God. And I believe what this parable is saying, we can hear. And this parable is very important. You can actually see that. He actually says this in uh, verse 13. If you drop down, it says verse 13. He says, Do you not understand this parable? How, then, will you understand all parables? So this is like a key parable... This is, the, this is the most important parable that Jesus spoke. And he says, If you don't understand this parable, how are you going to understand all the other parables? So, this is like a key parable right here. And it shows us how the kingdom of God works. And it shows us how the word of God works. If you didn't know, I'm sure you do, because if you've been to faithful church for any amount of time, you'll know this. But the word is the, the seed is the word of God. And let's thank God we have the word of God available to us, not just in a book form, we have it in our, on our phones, in our iPads. You know, all these devices and computers and everything else, we have the Word of God. Right now, there's brothers and sisters around the world that would love to have the full Word of God, and they can't even have the full Word of God. So we need to thank God we have the full Word of God. Remember, all the Old Testament prophets and all your Old Testament heroes before never had the full Word of God. We have the full Word of God from the beginning to the end. We are blessed. So the, word, the seed is the Word, the sower's is Father God, right? and the ground is our hearts there's only one variable in this parable because the seed is the same the Word of God is incorruptible seed it does not change it will not change it does not change heaven and earth will pass away but that God's Word will never pass away so that's not changing and then God the Father doesn't change I'm the Lord your God I change not so the farmer didn't change the seed didn't change the only thing that changed was the, the soil was the earth the earth was different right four types of earth There was four types of ground they were different the ground represents our hearts how we receive things, our hearts, right? Not our physical hearts, but our hearts, our soul, our soul and our spirits together, how we receive things. That's the variable. And it's funny here because Jesus tells this parable and the, and the disciples are there and they're like, Amen, Jesus, good word, good word. Yeah, preach it, Jesus, amen, come on. You know, so it depends what churches you go to. We get, pastor Tafar was laughing because he came to our home church and we had one guy there who didn't just amen. He didn't just say amen or good word, pastor. He'd actually give whole commentary... <laughs> And it's a big church like a thousand people he would give a commentary on the pastor's teaching and the pastor was okay with it and he actually made allowance for it like he would pause to make an allowance so he'd be teaching this is what happened he'd be teaching and he'd say something and the guy would say it'd be halfway back a thousand member church he'd be halfway back and he'd say that's right pastor you better preach it keep saying that that's a good word and then he'd keep preaching then, then he says something else, Pastor. That's not for us. That's for those that aren't here. All those people that aren't here today, they need to hear that. They better get online, Pastor. They better get online and listen to this sermon. They better go on YouTube. I mean, like a whole comedy. It was the funniest thing. It was the funniest thing. So, so, anyway, the disciples here were getting excited. They're like, "Amen, Jesus. Good word. Praise the Lord. This is a great word." And then they turned around and said, and they said to him, basically, in in, um, in uh, um, verse 10, I think it is, it basically said, they basically said, they said, Jesus, we didn't understand a word you said. Can you explain this to us, please? We didn't understand it. So Jesus said, let me explain it to you, okay? I'll explain it to you. So Jesus took the disciples aside privately and explained what the parable was about. And um, verse 13, we're going to read the understanding of the parable. We says in verse 13, it says, if you don't understand this parable, how are you going to understand all parables? And then verse 14, it says, the sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately to take away the word. It's not personal. The enemy's not after you. He's after getting you away from the word. If he gets gets the word out of you, he knows you've got no power. So it says that the word is immediately taken away um, when it's sown in their hearts. This is a stony ground. People that don't even receive the word. People that don't even let the word in their heart. They don't receive the word. The second type of ground here he talks about is those are the ones... Uh, these, likewise, are sown on stony ground. These, this is where there's a ground, there's no depth to it. And the reason why it springs up quick is because the roots do not have time to go down. When a plant or a tree grows, it needs to get its roots in the ground and then it springs up. And sometimes it can seem like not much is happening on the surface, but the roots are going deep. And, and a tree can't grow, I'm not an expert on this, but I believe a tree doesn't grow stable It uh, it can't grow stable unless it's got strong roots. If if it grows up too fast and and it hasn't got roots, then the first wind, the first storm it's gonna fall over. It's not gonna be secure. So what happens is because the ground was stony and there was not much soil there, the roots couldn't get down deep. So what happened was the plant just grew the crop just grew, but it didn't have roots. And what happened was the first sign of a storm, or when the sun came out and there was persecution, it was actually wilted and it didn't make it. So, if you haven't got any type of discipleship, if you're not going deep in God's word, and like this, you've got to understand, this is you, God loves you. If you've, given, if you've you know, given your heart to Jesus, if you've received Jesus Christ, then you're going to heaven. This is, but the difference is are you going to live heaven on earth? Are you going to actually see the promises of God manifest on earth while you're here? And it's not a selfish thing either. You should want all the promises of God operating in your life so that you can reach more people and take more people to heaven with you. Amen. So, so you know, um, it talks about people being snapped, you know, entering heaven just like they've been snatched from the fire. Those are the people that are going to go to heaven because God's not trying to keep anyone out of heaven. He set the bar very low. You call on Jesus and you, you rely on Jesus, you're going to heaven. But he says, you know, you can live an, an abundant life now on earth and help more people and have more influence on earth if you receive his promises. All the promises of God are yes and amen. Amen. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20. All the promises of God are yes and amen. So we need to understand that this is not talking about you know, works to get to heaven or anything. That's a done deal. It's a finished work. Listen to Pastor DeFar last week. It says it's a finished work. What this is talking about is are you going to receive the promises of God? Are you going to walk these promises out while you're on earth? Are you going to see the righteousness of God flow through your life. Are you going to have peace of mind? Are you going to be healed in your body? Are you going to have prosperity to help more people? This is what this is talking about. So you can grow and, and, and it seems like you're doing good, but if you haven't been discipled, if you haven't got that deep root, which means getting in the Word, it means coming to churches, it means going to Bible school, it means getting deep in God's Word, then you're going to struggle to, to sustain that. So that's the second type of ground. The third type of ground here, well, in verse 17, we'll finish off the second type of ground, and they have no root in themselves, and so endure only for a time and afterwards when tribulation or persecution arises or pandemics arise uh oh or things like that then for the word's sake immediately they stumble and in fact that word stumble is actually translated in other ones as they get offended offense is the fastest way uh, out of the ministry fastest way to get separated from the body of Christ is when you're offended and that's what happens they get offended because they haven't got roots in the Lord. They, don't, they haven't meditated on how much God loves them and they haven't got themselves rooted in God's love. So when someone else rejects them or when someone else doesn't look at them right or when someone else doesn't say hello to them because they were too busy, then they get offended and they fall away. Sad. That's the second type of ground. Now the third type of ground is actually where I believe the majority of the body of Christ live and actually believe where a lot of us are living. The third type of ground. And here's the third type of ground. It says here, Now, these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word. Now, how you hear the word? I hear the word. I love the word. I hear the word. Verse 19. Jesus is going to show us the, why the third type of ground does not produce fruit. He's going to show us right here. Going to, the, but the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires of other things enter in and choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. They enter in, they choke the word, it becomes unfruitful. And then the third, fourth type of ground is where we should all want to be living, and that's the type of ground where it's sown on good ground, verse 20, and those who hear the word, they accept it, they bear fruit, some 30-fold fruit, which is pretty good, some 60-fold fruit is even better, and some 100-fold fruit, which is best. But they are producing fruit. The word of God is, they're listening to the word, they're meditating the word, and that word is producing fruit in them, and they're seeing that fruit evident in their lives you know, jesus said by your, their fruit you will know them okay are they bearing fruit are they seeing the word of god manifest god's word doesn't change God's will doesn't change. God is the same. His will for you is to live a long life. His will for you is Jeremiah 29, 11. He thinks about you. Every time he thinks about you, he thinks good things about you. He sees you having a long life. He sees you prosper. The NIV version said to prosper them. He thinks about you to prosper you. He thinks about you in health. He wants you to be healthy and wealthy and prosperous and, and, and being a great influence on people around you. He sees you walking in his love. He sees you complete in Christ. He sees you as, as awesome. He sees you as a world overcomer. That's how God thinks about you and sees you. And by the way, that's who you really are in your spirit. You're not trying to get something. You're not trying to become something. You're not. That's who you really are. Because you're a, you're a spirit who happens to possess a soul and lives in a body. So the real you is a spirit you. That's the real you. And the real you is awesome in Christ. If you're not in Christ, then it's not looking too good. But the, the, the good news is the minute you, you got born again, the minute you gave your life to Jesus, you became in Christed. Okay, you was in Christ, and now you can't get out of Christ. You're in Christ, praise the Lord. I mean, it's hard work to get out of Christ, and I don't think many people will achieve it, and you wouldn't want to achieve it, but you're in Christ. And once you're in Christ, you can't be... You, you know, you, you don't just... One day you're out of Christ, the next time I'm in Christ. No, you can operate from the flesh and do things in the flesh and, you know, get mad and kick the dog and things like that. But that doesn't mean you're out of Christ. That just means you're living in your soul realm, in your unrenewed part, and you're out of your flesh. You're not living out of your spirit. Your spirit is consistent, 100%. 1 John four seventeen says, As he is, as Jesus is, so are we. Not just in heaven. It says, in this world. 1 John four seventeen. As Jesus is, so are you right now in this world. Sat here on a Sunday morning in faithful church. As Jesus is, so are you. If you are born again, how many of you have given your life to Jesus? How many of you are born again today? Okay, just check in. Okay, if you're not, then you can do that. You call on the name of the Lord. It's very simple. Say, Jesus, I make you my Lord, and you'll be born again. So if you've given Jesus your life, and you, and you are just as Jesus, you're identical to Jesus in the Spirit, that's exciting. That's an exciting thing. That means, that means you've, you've got everything you need to do everything God's called you to do. Yes. You're not lacking anything. You've already got it on your spirit. Now, that's the real you. The only way you can find out who you really are is through God's word. God's word is going to show you who you are. But the real you is a spirit. And then, you know, you have a soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions that you operate out of. And then you have a flesh. And what happens is, is the, the, really, the Christian life is just renewing our minds to who we are. It's just realizing who we are. I think it's Philemon 6. Yes, Philemon 6. Right, Your faith becomes effectual by the acknowledgement of every good thing that's already in you. You've already got it. You're just acknowledging that, believing it, meditating on it, reading the Word to find out who you are, and then walking in that. That's what it means to walk by faith, by the way, walking by who you are in the Spirit rather than how you feel in your soul or how your flesh feels, renewing your mind. So anyway, I say all that to say that right here it's, it's telling us that there's things that are choking the Word of God in our life. So what should happen, the normal Christian life should be, we should be reading the Word, which is basically telling us who we are, and we should be receiving those promises, and those promises should be operating in our lives. We should be seeing the, the, these things operate in our lives, and we should be seeing them on a daily basis, and the people around us should be affected by them and say, wow, look at that, and they should be attracted to Jesus because of how we live in our life. We should be living a life of peace and a a life of prosperity and a life of of righteousness, overcoming sin, things like that. But what happens is there's things that enter in and choke the word. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I guarantee you, most of you here, if not all of you, love the Lord, love his word. You read the word. You come to, I mean, you're here at church. Early service. Come on. This is early service, people. You are the serious people. This is early service. That second service, 10 o'clock, I'm not sure. 10 o'clock, people, if you're watching online now. You hurry up, come on, you ain't got long. But I'm just saying, these are the serious people. So you love the word, you love the Lord. But something's choking. If you're not seeing God's fruit, if you're not seeing prosperity in your finances, if you're not seeing healing in your body, if you're not seeing peace in your mind, if you're not seeing righteousness so you overcome all sin and addiction, there must be something choking the word. And Jesus tells us right here, there's only three things. He said there's three things that choke the word. And they are the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things. One translation says the covetousness or lust for other things. These three things enter in and choke the word of God. in our life. I don't know about you, But if there's something stopping the Word of God operating in my life, because the Word of God's pure and holy, and the Word of God works every time. The Word of God does not return void. The Word of God works. In fact, it's the only thing we can 100% rely on. I mean, Jesus and the Word are one, right? This is that in John 1, it says that the Word became flesh. That was Jesus. Jesus was the Word personified. Jesus is the Word in the flesh. The Word is not just a book. The Bible is not a book. If you read the Bible like a book, then it's going to be dead to you. No, the Bible is a living person. The Bible is Jesus. And really, I've heard it said this way, we don't read the word, the word reads us. I mean, Jesus is the word. So that's the only consistent thing. The Lord is the only consistent thing. And he's the only thing that's never going to fail us. So we need to understand that we, if we're not seeing that working, something's choking it. And I want to know what's choking the word in my life. I want to know what's stopping, what's hindering God's word, God's power operating in my life. So we're going to do some gardening today. Is that okay? We're going to work out what's wrong and pull out those weeds and actually get rid of things. Because the ground that where 30, 60, 100 fold, the fourth type of ground, wasn't a ground with more. It didn't have more of something. Like, I need more faith. I just need to love God more. I just need to do these things more. No. Because th- that's what will happen. Religion will have you thinking, I've just got to do more. I've got to confess more. I've got to give more. I've got to love more. I've got to love the Lord more. I've done that. Have you done that? Like, I used to get up early. Now, do you remember that whole thing? It was like, get up. Whatever time you get up, if you get up at 6 a.m., if you're serious, you'll get up at 5 a.m. Do you remember that? Pray for an hour. In fact, a friend of mine in England had a big ministry, and he was telling people that. get up at, So I caught, caught hold of that. I was just young. I was like maybe 19, 20. I was like, I'm going to do that. In fact, I'm going to get up like even earlier than I have to. I'm going to get up an hour early. So anyway, I was, really, I was already getting up early to pray, but I was like, I'm going to get up even earlier, an hour. So I'd get up an hour, and I'd try and pray, and I'd fall asleep and wake up. and I used to hold my Bible, so it went, if I fell asleep, it'd hit me in the face and wake me up. It was a miserable hour. And if I didn't know better, at the end of that hour, I think God was relieved too. I mean, it was like, it was like a miserable hour. I was like, ah, oh, trying to pray because I've got to love God more. And then after about a year of this suffering, I did it for a year. I suffered for a year doing this. I spoke to the guy, and his wife said, oh, honey, was that that phase you went through getting up an hour early? And I went, phase? I said, how long did you do it for? He said, oh, a few months. She said, no. She said, not a few months. This is his wife, 10 on him. You know how wives keep us humble, right? She said... She said, he did that for a few weeks, but got bored. I was like, well, I've been a year struggling. It's not about more. This ground, this fourth type of ground did not have more works. It didn't have more passion. This fourth ground did not have more. This fourth ground had less. It had less stones and it had less weeds. It had, it had no, no stones and no thorns. So it actually had less. So we need to find out what these thorns are, get them out of our life, because then as we receive the word, it's going to bear fruit. Amen. So these three things—cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, and desire for other things—these three things are actually things that are trying to get us away from God. They're actually things that are trying to distract us from God's word. They're trying to pull us away from God's word, and they're, they're competing voices. See, I believe we have competing voices. Okay, we have the Lord's voice, and then we have these voices that are actually choking the word in our life. Two competing voices. Jesus explains this in Matthew six. You go to Matthew six. Matthew 6:24. Look at Jesus explain this. Matthew 6:24. He says, no one can serve two masters. So we can do a lot. Jesus said, you can do all things. You know, all things are possible for those who believe. But right here, he's, he's saying, no, this is something you can't do. You can't have two masters. This is not going to work. You can't have two masters. This is Matthew 6:24. He says, either you will hate the one and love the other, or else you will be loyal to the one and despise the other. Ready for this? You cannot serve God and mammon. Right here, he shows us what's going on here. You can't serve God and mammon. And let me tell you, mammon is actually the voice the enemy uses to take us away from God's word. Let me show this to you. So mammon is the voice that the enemy uses to take us away from God's word. Because if the enemy comes up to us as, a, as the devil, says, hi, I'm the devil, you say, no, thank you. Simple. Okay? <laughs> so, but he doesn't do that. He masquerades as an angel of light. He tries to deceive us. He deceived Adam and Eve. He tries to deceive us into doing things and he'll come to us in a way where we get deceived and that's what mammon is mammon is the voice mammon is like the mask that the devil uses to come to us and distract us from god's word the whole purpose of mammon is to pull us away from the voice of god to pull us away from the word of god so we can't hear the word properly okay this this is what, how he comes to us and these three things cares this world deceitfulness of riches and lust for other things are the voice of mammon in our life and you watch what happens. This is far more important than money. Listen, money, this is so much more important than money, church. This is about hearing God's voice and doing God's will. And this is what happens. Mammon comes along in these ways. First John 2 says it this way. First John 2 says, all that is in the world, lust of the flesh, 1 John two sixteen, Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. They are not of the Father, but of this world. Same three things. You know, Jesus' three temptations in Luke 4 revolve around these three things. The same three things. Cares this world, well, deceitfulness which riches, lust for other things. So let's look at this voice of mammon. Jesus told us you can't serve this. If you're going to listen to this voice of mammon, you're not going to be able to hear God. You can't have two masters. You can only have one master. You can only hear one master clearly. And how do you know if someone's the master and someone's a servant? It's very easy. Who's calling the shots? Who's, who's giving the commands and who's following? The person giving the commands is the master and the person following is the servant. So that's very simple. So who's calling the shots? Who's telling us what to do? Who's who's the leading voice in our life? That's our master. You know, Romans 6, 16, whoever you yield yourself to obey, that one's servant you are to obey. So whoever's voice you're listening to and following, that's your master, and you've become the servant of that voice. I don't know about you, I want the Lord to be my master in all things. I want to hear the Lord's voice as the leading voice of all times, and I only want to be doing what the Lord's told me to do. In fact, Jesus said this himself. He said, I only do what the Father told me to do. Even Jesus didn't operate outside of what he heard his father tell him to do. So if Jesus didn't operate outside of that, don't you think we should not be operating outside of anything God tells us to do? So right here we can find out what are these two voices and make sure we're listening to God rather than listening to mammon. And it's very sneaky. The devil's deceptive, remember? I'm going to reveal his lies to you. The devil's deceptive, and he'll have you listening to his voice without you even realizing it. And when you listen to his voice, you're not listening to God's voice by default. Jesus said you can't have two masters. You can only have one master, and we're going to look at that today. So, real quick, let's go through these. The cares of this world. What does this look like? The cares of this world. This is the first voice that, the, that Mammon uses. Cares this world. Cares this world is basically saying that I've got to look after myself. I've got to pay the bills, I've got to, get, you know, I've got to look after myself. If, not, if I don't look after me, no one's going to go after me. In fact, I've also got to look after my family. This is tough, right? And Matthew 6 gives us a whole commentary on this. Matthew 6, let's look at verse 25 real quickly. Matthew 6, 25 says, Therefore I say to you, this is Jesus talking, Do not worry about your life. Same phrase here, do not worry cares this world. Do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you'll drink, about what your body, what you'll put on. Is not life more than food and your body more than clothing? See, Jesus is covering both sexes here because the men are always worried about what they're going to eat. When's lunch? We eat lunch a few hours. When's dinner? What about breakfast? What about the fourth meal? Okay, so all this, okay, always one about what we're going to eat? Women, this is dangerous. Women sometimes, not always, sometimes worry about what they're going to wear. Okay, we're <laughs> going I think it's always funny, when two men turn up and they're wearing the same shirt or the same, they high five each other, yeah, you know. (laughs) Two women have the same dress on across the room. Their friends would be like, no, you, you wear it better than her. You look better than her, yeah. Okay, I'm touching, I'm stepping on some toes right now. So Jesus covered the men and the women right here. He said, don't worry about what you wear, don't worry about what you eat. He said, listen to this, look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap. Now, this is going to mess with your theology. You don't have to sow and reap to have your needs met. Woo! We sow and reap so we can have increase, so we can give more, and we can believe God more. If we really boil this down, if we really trust God our Father, I'm telling you, He gets us things. If it's all about us sowing and reaping, that gets into works. And listen, I love sowing and reaping. I'm telling you, I could testify all day long about that. But I'm telling you, if you make it about sowing and reaping, you'll trust in your giving rather than trusting in God. And that's a subtle thing, but I'm telling you, that's, you can't trust. It's like trusting in your healing rather than trusting in the healer. It's like seeking your healing rather than seeking the healer. It's like seeking your provision rather than seeking the provider. Right here it says, God your Father knows what you have need of. Is it says, The birds of the air neither sow nor reap. They don't gather into barns, so they don't save. Yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Jesus asked him a question Are you not more valuable than birds? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to your stature? So why do you worry about your clothing? Consider the lilies of the field; as they grow, they don't spin or toil, and yet they have even more radiant than Solomon. Um, And Solomon's glory was not even arrayed like one of these. Now, if God clothes the grass of the field, which is today gone and tomorrow is gone, thrown and then thrown into the oven, will He not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, "What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear?" For after these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows what you need and he knows you need all these things. Verse 33, we love this verse, right? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. We are not meant to be seeking stuff. We're never meant to be seeking, even our own stuff. Now, if you're... The head of the household is very good. It's noble to, to, you know, don't take this out of balance. Sometimes when you only have one shot at saying something, you know, you're worried about all the things you're not saying. Okay, and some people say, "Well, Ashley said this. Ashley said I'm not going to worry, so I'm just going to not do." No, you still have to do stuff. Put your hand to the plough, work, provide for your family. I'm not saying everyone quit their jobs. God's going to provide. In fact, you know, you know the verse that says, "If you don't provide for your own household, you're worse than an infidel." Okay. Now, the Lord showed me that verse. like, Lord, I don't understand that verse. And he said right here, he said, listen, he said, born again Christians, especially us faith, grace and faith believing God Christians, okay? They often shirk their responsibility and put it on me rather than doing anything themselves. And they say, you know what? I don't have to provide for my family. God's going to provide. Hey, I was there. When I first went to Bible school in 2006, I was like, I'm going to Bible school. I've arrived. I'm a full-time minister. I don't have to work anymore. I'm going to give, and then men are just going to give into my bosom. You know, Luke 6. I'm like, this is going to be awesome. I don't have to, don't have to mess with that filthy money anymore. I'm just going to, God's just going to supernaturally provide for my needs. And we went broke for like two months. And I was like, Lord, what's happening? And he was like, work, dummy. He was like, put your hand to something. So the Lord showed me that verse worse than infidel. Do you know why? Because you could get the biggest heathen going unless they've got some sort of mental illness or they're an addict of some sort. If they're in their right mind, you could get someone who's not even born again, an infidel, not even born again. But if they've got a baby crying, they're going to make something happen to feed that baby. They're going to do something to provide for the house. They might go and rob a bank, but they're going to provide for their family. But born-again Christians, I've met them. I'm not looking at anyone, but I've met them that they're like, oh no, God's going to provide. What, are you going to work? No, I just pray all day and God's going to provide. That's worse than infidel. So anyway, in case you're wondering about that verse, that's what that verse means. So anyway, don't, don't shake back. Here's the thing. Don't take on the burden. Like if you're not going to do it, it's not going to happen. I'm telling you, God, your father loves you and he's going to provide for your needs. And what the mammon will do, mammon will say to you, you're not going to make it. You're not going to be able to pay the bills, you're going to starve, you're going to ultimately death, right? You're going to starve and then you're going to die. And that's, Mammon will be speaking to us and the voice of Mammon will be in your head saying, How are you going to take care of this? How are you going to take care of that? How are you going to pay the rent? How are you going to buy, you know, petrol prices are going up, groceries are going up, cost of goods are going up. How are you going to pay for this? What if you lose your job? How are you going to pay for it then? And you have this worry going on. Jesus, don't worry. That is mammon speaking to you. That's the voice of the enemy. That's mammon speaking to you. Cares this world trying to take you off from the word of God. I'm telling you, don't let the cares of this world in to, to dominate like this. A real quick example this would be Mary and Martha. We won't go there for time's sake. I'll just paraphrase. It's in, it's in uh, Luke 10, the story of Mary and Martha. Here comes a Jesus into town, right? And he goes into Mary and Martha's house. their are sisters. And Mary sits at Jesus' feet. And it, says, it actually says, it says that Martha also sat at his feet meaning that they both sat at his feet. Mary and Martha started out sitting at Jesus' feet, listening to his word. They, they were hearing the voice of God. But Martha got distracted with much serving. It says she got distracted with the cares of this world. And she said, who's going to provide for all these people? Who's going to feed all these people? I better go and make something happen. And Martha got distracted. Guess what? Mammon spoke to her and said, you better make it happen, Martha. So Martha left the word of God, left listening to Jesus, and run around, done much serving. Then she came back to Jesus. She was offended at Jesus. Anytime we say to God, God, don't you care? Have you know we're the ones in the wrong? Because we know God cares, right? And there's a number of times in the Bible we can read where the disciples, at this point, Martha said, Lord, don't you care? Lord, don't you care that I'm left serving on my own? My, my sister's here slacking off at your feet? This is terrible. Jesus said, no, 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 no. She's doing the right thing. She is sitting at my feet listening to my word. And you might say, actually, if Martha and Mary had listened to Jesus, then who would have fed these hundred people in her house? Well, just a few ch- chapters later... Jesus was teaching the word, people sat at his feet and Jesus gave them specific instructions and 5,000 men were fed very well supernaturally. So listening to Jesus and listening to his words is the most important thing we can do. We must never let the cares of this world distract us and that voice distract us and take us away from that. Okay, so cares of this world will try and pull you away from God's word. The truth, the lie is God's not going to look after you. The truth is God's your father. He's got good things for you and he provides for his kids. God is not worse than infidel. He provides for his kids. God goes by his own word. He provides for his own kids, praise God, and he'll look after you. The second one, real quickly, I've got to hurry along. The second one is deceitfulness of riches. What does deceitfulness of riches look like? What does this man voice look like in the deceitfulness of riches uh, again Matthew 6 verse 19 says do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal verse 21 for where your treasure is there your heart will be also deceitfulness of riches will say this you have better have X amount of money Otherwise, you can't be safe, you're not at peace, you're not gonna be safe. You better have X amount of money in the bank. Now, you may have X amount of money in the bank, and you might be trusting that I'm safe, I've got X amount of money in the bank. Or you might not have it, but think, if only I could get X amount of money in the bank, I'd be safe. Either way, that's deceitfulness of riches. You might think, well, if only I had a job that could make this much, if only my business could make this much, and you fill in the blanks. You fill in the blanks, but you think, "If if I had this much in my retirement, oh, I could relax. Sounds like someone in the Bible, if I had this much, I could say to my soul, just take, take it easy, you can relax anymore. It's the guy with the barns, right? Again, I'll paraphrase because for time's sake, but he said, I need to tear down my barns and build bigger barns. I need to store so much and save so much that I could just say to my soul, relax, it'll be fine. And the Lord said, fool, your soul is going to be required of you this night. Now, God didn't kill him. It's amazing what religion will put in there. Then God smote him. He never says that. God just says, you're going to die and then what you know it's not so but guess what he trusted in his riches and he said oh now i've got all these riches i could be safe so you might have the riches and think i'm safe now i have these riches or you may not have the riches if i had those riches either way it's deceitfulness of riches money in the bank a good paying job a good paying business whatever fill in the blank can never replace the security of god in your life it is not secure you cannot trust in riches full stop you cannot trust in riches you cannot lay up for yourselves because what happens is you're trusting riches rather than trusting things. Jesus explained this with the rich young ruler, right? Mark 10, the rich young ruler came to Jesus yeah. and he said, Jesus, what do I have to do? He was rich, he was young, and a ruler. Usually, one of those things slip away, right? By the time you get rich and you're a ruler, you're not young anymore. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> if, you're, if you're young and you're a ruler, you're usually broke. But he was, he was rich, he was young, and he was a ruler. I mean, he had it going on, he had everything, right? But Jesus said, I'll just tell you this real quickly. Mark 10, verse 21. Jesus looked at him. I love this. Mark 10, 21. I love how it says this in Mark's gospel. Mark 10, verse 21. It says, Jesus looked at him and loved him. So we know Jesus was specifically giving him instructions for his own good. Every time Jesus speaks to us, it's for our own good. That's why we can trust his word. You might think in the flesh, that doesn't sound like it's for my good. No, Jesus only says things for your own good. He says, is it, it might hurt, yeah? It might, it might hurt, but it's for your own good, and it's actually going to be good. It's always good for us. He says he loved him and said to him, one thing you lack. He said, you're a rich young ruler, but yet you lack something. And the, re- the thing he lacked, he said, go your way, sell whatever you have, and give to the poor. Basically, Jesus stopped trusting in riches. In fact, later on, he said a few verses later, he said to the disciples, "It's impossible for those with riches to enter the kingdom of God." And he says in verse twenty-four, the the disciples were astonished, like, "Who then can enter the kingdom of God?" They were worried because they were all fishermen and tax collectors, and they had money. They're like, "Who's going to enter the kingdom of God then?" And then, and Jesus clarified. He says in verse twenty-five, or at the end of verse twenty-four, he says, "How hard it is for those who trust in riches. Trust in riches." Now, I don't believe, this is controversial, this is my own, this is A- Ashleyology. I don't believe this is talking heaven or hell. Because if it was heaven and hell, then we're saying, well, you've got to trust in Jesus, but not trust in riches to enter heaven. I don't think there's other cr- cr- you know, criteria to enter heaven. I think it's Jesus only. But he said to enter the kingdom of God, to experience the kingdom of God on, heaven, on earth. See, I'm, I think the rich young ruler is going to be in heaven. It's type of controversial, because he, he trusted in God but he didn't experience heaven on earth. He had a miserable life. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich and adds no sorrow to it, Proverbs 10.22 said, The rich young ruler went away sorrowful. It actually says that. He went away sorrowful. So he had a miserable life, even though he was rich and he was young and a ruler. He never experienced the abundant life he gets to heaven, Jesus is going to have to wipe away those tears because it's like, I missed it. I lived a miserable life on earth and I didn't have freedom on earth because I, didn't, I trusted in riches rather than trusting God. Deceitfulness of riches will pull you away from God's word, stop you hearing God's voice, and it will make you trust in riches. And I'm telling you, think, do self-assessment here. How many times do you think, man, if I only had this much money, I'd be okay? That's mammon talking to you. Now, is there anything wrong with saving? No, it's good to save money. It's godly to save money. God blesses the storehouses. It's good to have investments. It's good to have retirements. It's good to do this. this. But the minute you trust in those things, the minute you seek those things, you're missing it. You're making that your master instead of the Lord. You can only serve one master. You can't serve two. Deceitfulness of riches. And the last one, we're talking about the three things that choke the word of God in our life and stop it becoming uh, fruitful in every area. The last one is the lust for other things. This is the fun one. The lust for other things. <laughs> if you're not offended yet, hold on. <laughs> hey, I'm leaving town. It's a, I'm going to Zimbabwe tonight, so you won't be able to catch me. <laughs> <praise the Lord. laughs> so, so you can't stone me from Zimbabwe. Okay. So the one, he said the one in the, this is a Luke uh, 12, um, well, let me, let me uh, say this. Lust for other things It's translated as covetousness, okay? Now, we're clever enough to know not to be covetous, okay? We know if our brother has something or our sister has something, we're not to be covetous. We're not to say, oh, I wish I had that. We know, we, we know better than that. But here's how the enemy will sneak in. Now, first of all, the media and, and everywhere you look will tell you, unless you have this, you're not going to be happy. Unless you use this brand of toothpaste, your kids aren't going to respect you. I mean, if you notice, marketing's crazy. If you don't have this juicer, then you're not going to, I mean, it's like, the, the, so we've been bombarded with adverts and basically marketing in the materialistic world. We're in a materialistic world, you know, Johannesburg is just like, the, like America, it's materialistic, right? It's selling stuff. You've got to have this stuff, otherwise you're not going to be happy. That's a lie, right? They just play on covetousness. They just play on envy, you know, on envy and, and, and wanting stuff, okay? So watch out for that. But that's the obvious one. We know that. Here's the sneaky one, okay? The sneaky one is when we see other people prospering or we see other people doing stuff and we think, I don't think that's right. I don't think they should have that. I don't think they should have this. That's covetousness. And it hides very sneakily. So in John 12, in John 12, I'm going to step on your toes right now. Get ready. Everyone say, we love, we love Brother Ashley. Brother Ashley. <sighs> <sighs> okay, because in five minutes you might not. So anyway, say so he says, I'm talking to myself too. I, this, this, I, have to, I have to remind myself of this. John 12, Mary comes in. And, in John 12, verse 3, I like how uh, Mary's not named in the other three Gospels because they were written earlier. John's Gospel was written, written much later, so it was over. So he named her because it was okay. But when the other three Gospels were written, Mary was still around. He didn't want to embarrass her, you know, that prostitute Mary. So, but we know it's Mary because John's Gospel says Mary right here. It says, Mary took a pound of very costly oil anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with this fragrance of oil. Mary spent, we know, she spent a year's worth of salary worshipping Jesus. She took a year's worth of salary and worshipped Jesus right here. And it says here, it says here, but one of the disciples got mad. The other three gospels said the disciples were mad. It was like, what a waste. They were mad. But John just names him. I love this. He says, Judas Iscariot. (laughs) Bam! Judas Iscariot. He was mad. And he says... And and he even says more, he says, Judas Iscariot, that was Simon's son, the one who would betray him. I like John. He was like, bam. So, you know, John was just a teenager when, you know, he was probably only like 14, 15 years old while Jesus was walking around. This is later on. He's an older, wiser man now. And he's just naming and shaming. I love it. I love John's gospel. So he he says, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? Now, I'm not asking you a show of hands. How many times have you seen someone, especially Christians, maybe even preachers, ooh, I'm not sure they should have that nice thing. I'm not sure they should spend that money. I'm not sure the church should use that money for that. I'm not sure Pastor T should have that. I'm not sure that Brother So-and-So should have that. I mean, that's a, that's a nice car. Like, I'm not sure they should have that. You know, there's a, a, big, a big-time preacher in America that I love, and he bought himself a house, okay? And it's a very expensive house, but he didn't even use church, like, he didn't even use... The church don't even pay him. okay. So what he did was he just got his house from his uh, a real estate company and stuff. And it was his own money. It wasn't even church. No, Nothing wrong with being paid by the church. But he didn't even use his salary from the church. The, the church don't pay him. He used his own money from his own business to pay cash for his own big house. okay. And people got mad. He should not have that house. He should not have that house. And I said, if you're mad at brother so-and-so's house, you're not really mad at his house. You haven't got a problem with his house. You've got a problem with your house. Because if your house... If your house was bigger than his house, you wouldn't care. You're all mad because all of your houses are smaller than brother so-and-so's house. Can I get a witness? I've been there. I, where I used to live, one of my neighbors bought a brand new truck. It's an F-150 brand new truck. And I drove past and I said to my kids, he's got a brand new truck. What does he need that brand new truck for? He doesn't have a brand new Gets worse. And like a month later, he had a second brand new truck. And they got two brand new trucks. He doesn't even use one. Why has he got two brand new trucks? Every day I would drive past his house and mention something. Look, he's not even using those two brand new trucks sat on his driveway. And when my, my kids said, Dad, they said, are you mad at his two brand new trucks? Because you haven't got a brand new truck? And I was like, yeah, that's true. It's true. A few months later, someone gave me a brand new truck supernaturally, and I wasn't mad about his trucks anymore. It's amazing how that works. So be careful, because it was Judas. It was Judas Iscariot who said, this money is wasted on the gospel. This money's wasted on worshipping Jesus. This money should have... Very noble. Listen, very noble. We should have sold this money and given it to the poor. Doesn't that sound noble, to the poor? Now listen, we should be given to the poor. We should be given benevolently. We should be given to the poor. I'm all about giving to the poor. I'm all about benevolence giving. But right here, he said, we should have given to the poor. And John even explains it. He said, John says this in, in John 12. He says, he said this not because he cared for the poor. He named Jesus. Not because he cared for the poor. He said this because he was a thief. And he wanted to, mon- he held the money box and he wanted to use the money himself. He wanted to steal the money. Covetousness. Now watch what happens. Watch what happens. Right after that, listen to this, right after that, he says he went out to the chief priests In Matthew's gospel, verse 26, he went straight to the chief priests and said, How much money are you going to give me to sell you Jesus? And he took 20 silver coins and sold Jesus. See how powerful Mammon is. Mammon took Martha away from Jesus' feet and made her run around the cares of this world trying to do everything and then got offended at Jesus. Mammon, the deceitfulness of riches, made the guy, you know, made the rich young ruler walk away from Jesus in sorrow. So I can't do that, Jesus, and walked away from Jesus, separated himself from Jesus. Mammon, through the covetousness, through the lust for other things, took Judas away from Jesus. And went and sold Jesus out for some silver coins. And guess what? It didn't, it didn't end well for Judas. I'm telling you, Mammon is trying to vie for our attention. We cannot hear God's voice and mammon's voice. We can't hear them too. But it's not God and the devil, it's God and mammon. And I'm telling you, God said, Jesus said right here, you one's gonna be your master. And you can't be both of them. And if mammon's your masters, let me ask this church real quickly. How many times do you make a decision and you think about something? Man, I'd like to move and help plant this church or I'd like to go to Bible school or I'd like to give this much in the offering. But the first thing is, how are you going to afford it? What about all your bills? How are you going to pay all these bills? What about this? this? Or you need that money in the bank because if you don't have that money in the bank, you're not going to be safe and secure. Or you need to buy this stuff because it's it's what you need. Or or brother so-and-so's got that nice new thing. That's not right. How many times have these thoughts gone? That's the voice of mammon in your head. That's the voice of mammon. I know I'm over time, but I want to end with this story because I'm going to show you something. I, I never like to tell you something, the problem, without the solution. I'm going to show you the solution right now. Jesus said, God and mammon, you can't serve both. You are going to love one, despise the other. Meaning this, if we let the voice of mammon in long enough, we're going to stop being able to hear the voice of God. And we're going to run after mammon. Now, if I said to you, how many of you want to run after money and sell your soul to the devil? No, only those who are not paying attention will put their hand up. I've had that sometimes. I've done this. i like... Who wants to? And someone said, amen. I said. Because <laughs> we've all been there, right? We're on, the, you know, we're checking Facebook or something. And amen, pastor. And it's, it's like, so, so, but no, none of us would say we want to follow mammon. None of us would say we want to do that. But see how mammon sneaks in and, and influences us and makes us. And we say, "Well, I can't hear God's voice. I don't know where God, God wants me." It's because we're following Mammon. So let me show you the solution. I'm going to end this story real quickly. When we moved to America, Americans are crazy. Everyone has a dog, and they worship their dogs. They think they're great. They have dog hotels. I couldn't believe it. We turned out it was like a hotel nicer than all the hotels we stay in. For ho- dog spas, doggy daycares. They drop their dogs off to daycare while they go to work and pay people to play with their dogs. True story. Anyway. So we moved to America and we're from, we're in Colorado. Colorado is especially like, they love their dogs, right? So our kid said, Dad, unless we get a dog, our life's not complete. So I said, okay, we'll get a dog, okay? I didn't want a dog, I didn't know much about dogs. So I got this little, it was a little puppy. It was called a Chesapeake Bay Retriever. And I didn't know this dog actually was gonna grow up to be 120 pounds. I said, I don't know how many kilograms it is. It's a big dog. I mean, it's a big, heavy dog, like 60 kilograms. A like big dog, yeah. It's like as big as a, as big as a grown man. So anyway, I got this dog, and where we lived, we had uh, mountain lions and bears and stuff. And I googled what dog could fight a mountain lion long enough to get away, basically. And this, this dog came up. I I want a Chesapeake Bay. So anyways, I bought a Chesapeake Bay. But it was a cute little puppy. It looked really cute, and everyone loved it. Look at the cute little puppy. So... so so, okay, so one day we was eating on the barbecue and a chicken, a chicken bone fell on the floor, a piece of chicken, and it grabbed it and running, you know, chicken bones can, can choke dogs. So he ran to the bushes, and I said, get that chicken off the dog, it's going to choke. So it's just a little puppy, cute little puppy. So I went after it and I went to just grab the meat from the dog's mouth. Any dog owners here may understand what's going to happen next. My cute little puppy went for me. I went to grab that meat and it went, and it went for me. And it was cute, but it was still pretty big. I mean, it was like... You know, it had a big mouth with big teeth. So I was like, man. And it went for me. And I got scared of my puppy. It's embarrassing to be scared of a cute puppy. My friends would come around and they'd start petting. Us. I'd say, whoa, step away, he's a killer. Because every time it was eating and I was near it, he would growl at me and intimidate me. And I'd be like, man. So now I'm scared of my dog. And it started to grow and get bigger. And a friend of mine said, you scared of your dog? I said, well, a little bit. He said, he said here's the problem. That dog's going to grow up to be 120 pounds and it's going to run your family. Now let me tell you a little quick thing. Seriously, dogs, if you didn't know this, dogs are either leading or they're being led. Did you know there's no middle ground with a dog? If you think, if you're a dog owner and you think your dog is your best friend, you've been deceived. And Father Christmas ain't real either. Anyway, (laughs) Any any kids in the house, I'm sorry. If you think your dog is your best friend, you are deceived. Your dog is either leading you or you're leading it. That's why in America we see these like 300-pound linebacker men being pulled along by a little chihuahua. Okay, that dog rules the roost. That, the dogs are made to either lead or to be led. They, they either lead or they follow. They, don't, they, they can't play nice. They're either leading the pack or they're following. That's all they do, lead or follow. I say all this to say, when it comes to your finances, your finances are either leading you, your mammon's either leading you or you're leading it. You cannot, so anyway, I said to my friend, what do I do? He said, well, you've got to lead the dog. If you don't lead the dog, the dog's going to lead you by default. I said, okay, how do I lead the dog? He said, you've got to be the alpha dog. You've got to show that dog that you're the boss. I said, I can be the alpha dog, praise (laughs) the Lord. How do I be the alpha (laughs) dog? He said, well, every time that dog rises up and growls at you and intimidates you and tries to scare you, you have to put it in its place and you have to tell it who's boss. You have to show it that you're the leader and it's not.
1: I said, how do I do that? He said,
0: well, you grab it and you put it No dogs were hurt. Don't worry. It's all good. If you know, it's, it's OK. He enjoyed it. You grab it by the collar and you put it low and you make it submit to you. You have to actually make it submit and you make a noise. I said, what noise? Said, whatever noise comes out of you, whatever you know, noise, just make that noise because the dog can sense it. He knows. I said, OK, I'll do it. So next day, I walked past it. It was eating. It started to growl at me like that. So I grabbed it by the collar. I was a little scared, but I grabbed it by the collar and I pushed its head down. And the first thing that came at me was, bah! I thought, bah. Bah. It's not very, like, masculine. (laughs) I was tough like, half nervous, half not sure if I was going to get bitten or whatever. So I was like, bah! And his little ears went down. It worked. I was like, it submitted to me. I thought, it was amazing. And I had to do it a few times. I had to do it. You know, every time it growled at me, I grabbed it by the collar and pushed it down. Bah! But guess what? A few months later, it could be across the room, just about to do something bad. And he'd look at me. I'd look at him. He'd look at me, and I'd just go, Nah. And his little ears would go down, <laughs> he'd go off. He was very happy, but I was leading it, and it wasn't leading me anymore. It was not intimidating me anymore. I'm telling you, I was I was the leader of that, and he was not intimidating me. I'm mean, going to tell you, Church. Every time Mammon rises up and speaks to you, every time Mammon says you're not going to be, you're not going to have enough money, you're not going to make it. You need X amount of money to be safe. You need this stuff to be happy, or you. So, brother, so and so, you know this stuff. Every time that happens, mammon rises up. You're the one that needs to go, bah, and put it in its place. And guess how you do that? By giving. When you give, I'm telling you, this is why giving is so powerful. When you give, you're taking that mammon. You're saying, mammon, I don't trust in you, I trust in God. Bow, I'm going to give that and I'm telling you and sometimes you have to do it over and over and over sometimes you have to do it when you're sweating and when you're shaking and saying oh if there's not a God I'm, I'm not going to make it but God will always come through he's always faithful and I'm telling you that's why it's so powerful to give because when you give you're saying God you're my master I follow you and you alone I don't follow this mammon money makes a lousy master but it makes a great servant money's meant to serve us and we're meant to serve God God's our master, you can only have one master. God's our master, and money serves us. And when you make God your master and you stop listening to the voice of mammon, money will chase you down, and you'll have more than enough. I'm telling you, when you give, you're saying, bah, to that mammon, and you're putting mammon in its place, and you'll start hearing God's voice clearer, and guess what? Just like Mark 4:19 says, those three things won't be in your life anymore, and the word of God will start producing fruit. I'm telling you, this stuff works. We've lived this for nearly 30 years, of giving and putting money in its place and seeing what happens. You can hear God's voice clearer, and you can move on with God. Let me pray for you. Father God, I thank you, Lord, that you've shown us how to react to mammon. You've shown us how we can put mammon in its place. And Lord, we repent today, myself included. Lord, we repent of listening to the voice of mammon. Lord, we repent of listening to that voice that is trying to take us away from the voice of God. And Lord, we repent of that. And Lord, And we say we follow you and you alone. Lord, we say bah to mammon, Lord. We, we, we say no, Lord, to mammon. We say yes to you, Lord. We want to hear your voice. We make you our master and we put you first place. We seek you first, Lord. And I thank you, Lord, as we seek you first, all these other things will be taken care of. Lord, we seek you first. We make you our master today and we say no to mammon in Jesus' name. Everyone said amen, amen, amen. Hey, thank you. I love you. Bless you. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today.